Hello and welcome! My name is Amelia, otherwise known as DJ EJ, and this is Club Crime, a true crime broadcast recording live at KTCU. How is everyone? I say that every week. I Today I feel very much like a proud mother. I know that last week was episode 10, it was our double digits, but it didn't hit me today until I saw, oh my god, this is episode 11. Like, this show is officially in double digits. I feel like such a proud little mother of this show that is, I guess, like an inanimate object, but I'm just so proud. Um, in last week's episode, we had my best friend Jackson on, which was such a fun episode. Um, we talked about the Devil Made Me Do It case, which was super duper fun. Um, but yeah, if you haven't checked that out, please go listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And of course, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Club Crime Official. All right, it's that time again. It's time for me to introduce my special guest for today. Her name is Danielle. Danielle, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. I am quite a connoisseur of podcasts myself, um, but I've never been on one. I've just <gasps> listened a lot. So this is very exciting. Um, so I went to this fine academic institution, <laughs> um, graduated back in 2021. Woo! So I was in Fort worth for four years i'm now living in dallas um and am originally from portland Woo! yes i know you're my first like non-current tcu member oh i'm yeah i'm old it's fine (laughs) you're not old but i'm just like I mean, everyone here has been at least gone to TCU. Right. You're my first person that's graduated. So this is so fun. Having to be a real adult now. It's very scary. I know. How was your day? How are you? It was really good. Um, I went to work. Um... Like I said, just adulting now. And so it's really fun to be back. A lot of memories. Like, I remember my speech class was Mm. in this building. I had ProSem right across in the other building. So all the mems. Yeah. You and I... I guess we can explain how we know each other. So you and I are currently in a show together yes. in Dallas. We're both in Hello Dolly in Dallas. Um, it's so like you're. It's I think you're so interesting because like you did go to TCU, but you're my first like I don't know friend that I've made as an adult outside of outside TCU. of TCU. Exactly. Like I keep thinking, oh my god, like this is my first like big girl friend. Like yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. No, I remember meeting you at the callback, like knew you were oh from TCU, gosh. and I was so happy. I remember to see like you, at you walked in and like you. <laughs> well, the way that I knew you were in the cast was I pulled up to CVS like down the street yep. from our rehearsal, and I see you walking out the building and go. It's Danielle from the callbacks. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, thank God I'm going to know someone. And we were both like obnoxiously early. So I was like (laughs) killing time at the CVS, like getting a snack. (laughs) And I love how we always talk about I still have the CVS almonds and granola bars that I bought that day. Like, I bought 24 granola bars thinking that they were going to be gone. The snack selection was underwhelming. It was so underwhelming that CVS needed to step it up but I got the granola bars and now we have the sketchy mini mart next to theaters which has even less than the CVS I know so Uh, at least it has the Celsius that's what gets us through exactly (laughs) I live off of it at this point all right are you ready for me to tell you your guest duties I'm ready give them to me all right today I'm going to tell you a true crime story it is your job to react Ask questions, add in your own personal anecdotes, and just add to the story in any way that you want. I love it. Does that make I perfect sense? I love to chat. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you have to promise that I have not told you what your story will be. Uh, you have not, so I'm very excited to find out here shortly. Do you want to throw any just wild guesses out into the wind? Of I don't even know. Like, I didn't really give you any direction either Mm -mm. so this could be totally it could be anything it could be anything i don't know are you ready yes i'm ready all right today's story is the heaven's gate cult i don't think i know about that Ooh, yeah i love when people don't know it's so fun sources for tonight's story include hbo max's heaven's gate the cult of cult series history channel abc news encyclopedia britannica and our favorite we all love her Wikipedia. Oh, lover. I always wish I could just like use Wikipedia right? for an academic paper and I just can't. Like anyone can write anything. How could it be can wrong? Any- I, I mean, mean, if we're using chat GBT at this <laughs> exactly. point, like, can we not use Wikipedia? <laughs> All right. So let's get into the background on the oh, case. Yes. 
Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. was born in Spur, Texas on May 17th, 1931. Do you know where that is in relation to us? Where's Spur? Let's look it up, shall okay. we? <laughs> My I, Texas geography is still so Mine bad. is so... <laughs> People will name towns and I'll just be like, uh-huh, okay. Mm-hmm, yes. Um, okay, let me zoom out. It's a big state, though, so it's hard it's to a keep big track state. of all the okay. places. It is near... Lubbock, Texas, which is where like Texas, tech. yeah, Got Texas it. Tech is. So yeah, it's like kind of. Why does that check out? The fact that there was a cult very there? west. <laughs> well, that's not where the cult began. That's just okay. Where, that's just where he's from. Okay. That's just where he's from. So he was born on May seventeenth, nineteen thirty-one. His father was a Presbyterian minister, and Applewhite lived a highly religious childhood. Mm. Applewhite then went on to Corpus Christi High School and Austin College, where he earned a bachelor's degree in philosophy in nineteen fifty-two. Applewhite then went on to Union Presbyterian Seminary in Virginia to study theology in hopes of becoming a minister. Okay. Okay, so the religious background's really yes, coming this in. All, all sounds pretty normal. Pretty normal so, so far. far. While there, Applewhite married Anne Pierce and had their two children, Mark and Lane. So very, like you said, very normal yes. so far. Yes. But in a turn of events, Applewhite left Union Presbyterian Seminary to pursue pursue music and become the music director of a church in North Carolina. Applewhite was then, however, drafted into the military in 1954 and left the military two years later to go to the University of Colorado in 1956, where he earned a master's degree in music with a focus in, get ready for it, musical theater. No. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) so i knew we were weird but so this is a story that i don't have any huge personal connection to but i saw the musical theater and i go danielle and i are gonna love this so that was his masters that was masters okay so it was theology as his ba and now he's going into music as his ma See, this is all seeming. I went to a Presbyterian church in Oregon, mm-hmm. and I was also an MT major. So we're just, like two peas in a pod here. Just, yeah, you're <laughs> you're finding yourself too relatable. Too to relatable. This <laughs> so once he left Colorado, Applewhite moved his family to New York, where he attempted to pursue a professional singing career. When that did not work for him. Oh no. <laughs> Applewhite moved to Tuscaloosa to teach at the University of Alabama. Okay. I auditioned for their program. Roll Tide! Roll Tide! <laughs> I didn't know they had a musical theater program. Yes, they were like, um, just by the way, like, Birmingham is not the most supportive of the arts. And we're like, <gasps> okay. Oh, thanks. Thanks <laughs> for telling me. <laughs> so Applewhite was fired shortly after <gasps> oh, teaching no. um, at the University of Alabama after having a same-sex affair with a student. Mm, not a good look in Alabama. Not a good look in Alabama. After discovering his homosexuality, which was also against his religious beliefs, Applewhite split from his wife in 1965 and divorced her in 1968. Applewhite also revealed his sexuality to his, sexuality to his parents, who rejected him immediately. Aww. So, it was, I honestly, like, this, I always try to, like, think through of, like, what makes people, like, become twisted this is giving midlife crisis this is giving it's like yeah the music thing is number one giving yeah midlife exactly crisis. but i think like i would also go into a midlife crisis if like my parents were just like you can't be gay exactly and think like you your dream didn't work his out dream, and his then dream your family falls apart. family falls apart you lose your wife i mean even though like the wife wasn't gonna stay around for long right. things but, are things are not looking good mm-mm. at this point so then in 1965, after separating from his wife, Applewhite moved to Houston to work as the chair of the music department at the University of St. Thomas, while also sometimes singing at the Houston Grand Opera, where he became rather popular. Okay. So things are kind of so looking So he's able to start over a little a bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, Applewhite was also openly gay for some time while in Houston, though he did shortly pursue other women. Okay. Just, I think, because he probably had to. Right. To, like, kind of draw off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Applewhite then resigned from the University of St. Thomas in 1970, to which he cited was due to, like, his deep depression, which he kind of went into. Though others did speculate that he'd left due to another affair with another man. 
Then in 1971, Applewhite briefly moves to New, to New Mexico and operates a deli. His what? De- I know. I, I read that and I go, okay. He's a man of many passions. A man of many passions. And that's okay. I was like, okay, like, okay, like, moving around. I, I can see that. Like, if you need a change of scenery, but right. a deli. A deli. Okay. Mm. Music major runs a deli. I'd like to know how that went. I hope this isn't a premonition that that's what my future holds as a musical theater major. Get ready. You're open at a deli soon, babe. Oh, man. Okay. So, unfortunately, his depression did get worse, um, especially after his father died, and Applewhite had to begin borrowing money from his friends. So, everything that's was just a going hard on blows. very yes. yeah, downward spiral. But now we can talk about the beginnings of the cult. Woohoo! So... Of course, the deli does not work out. He's oh, losing no. money, so he returns to Houston. And Applewhite, while there, meets Bonnie Nettles in March of 1972. Nettles was 44. She was married and was a nurse who shared Applewhite's interest in theology and the Bible. Okay. So, <laughs> though it was unclear how the pair met, um, writings by Applegate suggest the two met at a hospital while Applegate was visiting a friend. So, oh, he had a friend. That's good. He had a friend. He did have friends. Okay. I don't talk about them a lot, but he like, <laughs> I mean, he has friends. He knows yeah. people. It's just like, you know, they weren't they weren't pivotal to like this part of the story. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here's where everything just oh, no. kind of comes in. Applewhite recounted feeling as though he had known Nettles for an entire lifetime before they actually met, concluding that they both must have known each other in a past life. Nettles agreed with Applewhite, saying that their meeting was foretold by extraterrestrials. Oh. Yep. So I kind of looked into that, too. And foretold? Like, they told her? Yes, the extraterrestrials told her. And I see. I didn't read a ton about her, but, like, she was very much, like, went past the Bible and was like, I need something more. Okay. And was like people in the sky not angels the aliens they speak to me and that was yeah i don't know i didn't read too much like i said so i don't know if like she had ever been abducted by aliens yeah according to her so interesting because i wonder how that coincides with you know it sounds like based on what you said she had belief space in the Bible. So yes. if this just went alongside with those, if she mm-hmm. believed like both. And or... we'll kind of talk about okay. the Bible and how that played into those weird mm-hmm. like extraterrestrial stuff later. But it was just like interesting to see like how did this start? Like where yes. did these kind of come from? And for her, it almost just seemed like she needed a little bit more than what the Bible could give her. So he was like, okay, you know, it feels like this really deep connection. Like, I knew you in Mm -hmm. another lifetime. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, the aliens told me. The aliens told me. And he also did, like, as far as I know, like, believed in kind of, like, extraterrestrial kind of stuff. Or just, like, something And something, but, like, meeting her was like, oh, yep, mm mm-hmm. That that confirms it. (laughs) The aliens aliens did do this. So Applewhite and Nettles' beliefs were based in Christianity, of course, and also science fiction. Okay. Um, So they did read a lot of, like, science fiction books along with reading the Bible. And they based their readings off of Helena Blatsky, R.D. Lang, Richard Richard Bach, the New Testament Bible, um, Robert A. Heinlein, and Arthur C. Clarke, who were both um, science fiction writers. Okay. So it was very much, like equating like what they read in the new testament to Mm -hmm. what they were reading in these science fiction books and almost like pairing chapters of science fiction into like readings from the bible almost okay which kind of finding parallels mm -hmm. between the two and like yeah so like aliens basically got equated to like angels and like heaven and hell was like you know earth and space oh so interesting which i think is actually very interesting to, yeah. a concept to kind of think about they just took it a little bit too far a little bit too literally <laughs> so by june of 1972 the pair believed that they were chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies and had more high level mind minds than most people some of Applewhite and Nettles' beliefs were written in a pamphlet, which basically explained that Jesus would be reincarnated as a Texan. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. 
I wonder if he's walking among us here. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Jesus would be reincarnated as a Texan. Which, that reminds me, isn't, like, don't Mormons believe that, like, what, everything that took place in the Bible actually happened in, like, America? Yes. Yes. So that kind of gave me, like, Mormon. Yeah, <laughs> that is that. kind of similar to where Jesus, in their scripture, he came to America. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting. Okay, and so are the aliens still part of their, like, belief system, or? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about that now. So yes. The pair began to refer to themselves as the two or the UFO two. When visiting other religious groups, the two would explain the, quote, demonstration. The demonstration was to be an event where Applewhite and Nettles would be killed, resurrected, and then transported onto a spaceship. Like, they would do that for Which, like, that would unlock, like, their most higher-level selves. Okay, so the demons that something they would do or they would just they, talk it about was pro- it? They would talk about it. They said, like, it okay. was coming. Like, like this was, is what's going to happen. Yeah, it wasn't that they were going to kill themselves. It okay. was that they would be killed. They didn't exactly say, say how. how. Okay. It was just they would be killed and then, you know. Resurrected. Resurrected. And on a spaceship. Yeah. Their bodies would just basically, like, be resurrected and transported onto the spaceship. It's really interesting because I feel like with a lot of cults, the leaders will see mm-hmm. themselves as, like, the the religious, spiritual mm-hmm. being or leader. But I thought so, too. This he is like, doesn't. He, there's the other guy. There's Cowboy Jesus mm-hmm. out there's there. There's Cowboy Jesus. And Cow- I'm not Cowboy Jesus, mm-hmm. but I am still But I am here to support. Mind. Yes. Like, Yes, so I actually thought about that too, and I was going to bring it up later, but this is a great time to talk about it. Like, so my first story on the podcast was Charles Manson. Oh, yes, I listened. (laughs) I love a fan. So Charles Manson did, in fact, like, believe, like, he was this highest power Mm -hmm. being, and that's why he created the cult. Whereas this one is interesting because he doesn't. He just thinks, like, I mean, they do think they're better than, like, all other humans because they have this higher mind but they don't think that they are like the humans yeah they aren't jesus they aren't like god they just are wanting to join the gods interesting yeah that's a little bit different than some of the other mm-hmm. cults where they really see themselves like sometimes as a reincarnation mm-hmm. of a deity or something yeah. but this one they're like no that's texas jesus but yeah, that's we're texas here jesus. to spread like his <laughs> gospel I'm so excited. I hope I see Texas Jesus one right? day. Right? Oh my gosh. Do you think you just see him and you know? You just know Probably. It's him. Okay. I'm sure. We'll keep an eye out. We'll keep an eye out. But I also think it's interesting too because I think I almost equated this to something of like Scientology. Yes. When Scientology you is a religion but it's like books. that's one is a form of religion that is very based in like science fiction mm-hmm. and science whereas like less of like heaven and hell. So that's another thing that I was kind of thinking of. In my mind, when I was... But this would be probably pre-Scientology, right? This was pre-Scientology. Okay. Actually, well, no, Scientology was around when this was happening, but it wasn't, like, as, popular. as big as what okay. we know it to be today. So, let's talk about their first member. Mm. Who, the first person they also got to join the cult. So, her name was Sharon Morgan, and Sharon Morgan left her children... In May of 1974 to join the two, though she left the two a month later to return to her family. Okay, so she's like, not She left, she joined, it. and said, I'm good, gotta go. Okay, smart girl. The two were then arrested and charged with credit card fraud for using Morgan's cards, though these charges were dropped after it was revealed that Morgan did give them permission to use the cards when she That's was with them. probably part of the, like, becoming a member procedures, I guess. Give up your I don't worldly. even think so. I think it was just like, hey, I got some money. Do you want it? Okay, yeah. Applewhite then spent six months in jail after it was discovered that he had stolen a rental car nine months earlier, and this was revealed when his background check was done following, like, their arrest for the credit cards. So, he did reunite with Nettles um, in early 1975, where they sought to contact extraterrestrials and began to look for new followers to join them. Okay, so they're... They are down back to nobody. They're down back to just them two. And they're like, we need the people back. Right. And we're going to contact these aliens now. 
So, in April of 1975, the two spoke to 80 people, led by Clarence Klug, in Joan Culpepper's Studio City, Los Angeles home. The two shared that they were the two witnesses in the Bible's story of the end of time, and Applewhite and Nettles' charismatic leadership convinced 25 people at that meeting to join them. Wow. Yeah. 25 out of 80? 80. Good odds. Not bad numbers. Yeah. It's really good. Which that's what? Almost a third. Yeah. No, it's like a little. Mm, I guess that is kind of close to a third. 25 plus 25 is 25, 75. So. Did you ever in your research like see anything of them talking? Mm, we'll get we'll talk about okay because i was gonna say like well, they must be not this persuasive, early on. not this early on but because I, I feel like cult leaders usually like present pretty well mm-hmm. and that's that's how they were presented they like yes they knew what they were gonna say very well mm-hmm. it wasn't just like they were kind of sprouting it as it came up like they knew what they were gonna say they were very well put together people yeah like, and they it wasn't pure charismatic mm-hmm. and yeah it, it wasn't like you know how charles manson looked literally deranged yes (laughs) they were very well like put together like she looked you know had nice hair glasses you know nice blouses he was a very very well like well-groomed older man so Mm -hmm. they didn't look you know like they crazy crazy they just you know had some crazy ideas so the two then went on to preach at a motel hall in waldport oregon hey do you know where that is i don't know where waldport is no is it on the coast Let's check. let's find out. We're learning so much geography. I know today. Waldport, Oregon. It is. Yes, it is on the coast. It is. I'm trying to see if there's like anywhere near here you might know. It's kind of near Florence, Oregon. Okay, is it more towards Washington or California? It is. More towards Washington, but almost kind of middle-ish. Okay, got it. It's kind of like level with Salem. Oh, yeah, I know exactly where Salem is. Yeah. That's the capital, Slay. Love. I always think Portland's the capital, and right? it's just not. Yeah. And that always upsets me. Yeah, we took a little field trip to, to Salem in elementary school, and there's not a lot going on there. Just a big capital building <laughs> yes. and not much else. Yeah, I would figure. And it's not even the cool Salem with the witches. No, that's on the other side. Exactly. So, while preaching, the media begins to report that around 20 people have gone missing Missing. due to joining or just being involved with the group. And this is not really due to foul play. It's just because the two have moved the group, quote unquote, underground. So not like literally underground but just away from the public eye yeah so they move them from town to town all over the western united states and have them sleep in sleeping bags on the street and beg for money when like during the daytime hours so how do they sell this to people i think it's literally just like preaching they're like what's in it for them because if someone was like, yeah, we sleep in sleeping bags on the side of the road and beg for food, I'm like, mm, I'm not really sure if that's something I want to be a part of. Well, this is also something I talked about with the Manson family of if you are, number one, unfortunately mentally ill enough, mm-hmm. or if your life is just so terrible that you need an escape. And you just want something to You just to. want something, you'll just go. Yeah. Unfortunately. Like, a lot of these people just don't have the right state of mind to think more like support systems or support or the system help to that realize that this yeah. is a really bad also we just got a little text from Catherine aaron my mother <gasps> oh my um, goodness she said based on your comment that i need to do the salem witch trial oh yes so i'm gonna keep that in the back of yes. my brain as a future little thing to talk about i love so when fun. people tell me like oh you should do this suggestions, you do this. suggestions. i love it, it makes me so happy all right so sleeping bags People are on the street. And you said, you know, part of them being reported missing. Like, I know you said with that first member, Mm -hmm. she just kind of up and left her family. She left. So So, a lot of people have come and go. So the 20 people that go missing, it's not that they, like, never return again. Like, a lot of these people do. They're just unaccounted for. They're just unaccounted for because what they're doing is they hear these preachings and then they go, 
I got to go join them. Bye. Like, leave their entire lives behind to just go join them. Um, But not a lot of them stay. A lot of them will literally, like, stay for a while, get involved, but then be like, you know, I can't be this heavily involved in something or just don't, like, agree with, like, the death ideas or, Mm -hmm. you know, the idea that you have to die to join the aliens. Like, that kind of freaks people out. So it's like, I believe that, but I just can't do that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, the two now begin to go by several aliases, mainly Bo and Peep and Doe and T, like Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, T, Do, Do and T. Like T-I-T? Yeah, T-I and D-O, Do and T. Okay. Oh, he's using his music curriculum. He is using, that's, I was gonna. <laughs> gotta put that masters to he's use He's gotta get somehow. that soul Exactly, gotta get that soul in there. <laughs> This also became the time when the group began to be known as the Heaven's Gate. So they had gone through many names, none of them stuck, and finally they (laughs) came upon the Heaven's Gate. Okay. So Heaven's Gate recruited members until April of 1976, when they became pretty reclusive, made rigid rules for their followers, and made rigid rules for their followers, such as no drug use and no sexual activity. That's, like, very different than a lot of cults. Another thing that's yeah. very different. It's, like... Both of those. Yeah. They, wa- like, they are, of the cults, very straight-laced. Because they have that tied to, like... Religion. Organized religion. Organized yeah, religion, yeah. Christianity. So, so basically, now we'll talk about, like, the actual scientific name for this phenomena of cult. So, it's called Sheliaism. And which is basically what the Heaven's Gate like became. Um, And that refers to the following of several beliefs brought together by people of various religious backgrounds. So all of the group's members seemed to have one thing in common, which was that they wanted communal belonging and a higher existence, which they could not receive from traditional religion. Got it. So that was kind of what you talked about earlier. Yeah. It's not one religion. It's not one belief. It's a mix of beliefs that become a one belief almost. Yeah, which I guess is why it can be appealing to multiple people because Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't seem like it conflicts Mm -hmm. with your views. You know, you can just have those alongside with whatever religious and i was so i had never like i didn't know that there was a term for no i'm like so was this like the first of its kinds or no okay but it's definitely one of the The more prominent prominent ones like the most not even just the prominent but like one that worked the most is oftentimes like things like these will have you know civil battles where people will just like the conflicting beliefs will eventually conflict too much and whereas this it was just ruler like ruler gets usurped by some other mm-hmm. member and but like you said this like Applewhite doesn't believe that he's the leader so I think yeah. what it is is like you have a new belief let's just throw that in and add that on to like okay it's a little more collaborative it's a little more collaborative which I like we love a good collaborative exactly cult. yes but yeah I was so interested to find like the term Sheliaism because yeah I I've did, I had no, I'd never heard that before. So now we'll talk about media coverage and the cult's ending. Okay, so they kind of come to be, and you said it was like the 70s where they got their official name going. The 70s they got their and, official okay. name, but they kind of die off. They're, they don't die off, but they go very much underground from like the 80s to the 90s. Got it. So a lot is, I don't want to say like nothing is known about them from mm-hmm. like 80s to 90s, but they're just like... They keep to themselves. They're doing their own thing. So the cult was well covered during these times, though. People did know. Um, And they were covered in Jacques Vallée's book, Messengers of Deception, which was written in 1979. In this book, um, Vallée criticizes Heaven's Gate's religious and political outlooks while also describing his odd encounter with the group in a public meeting they organized to recruit more members. So he was at one of those meetings. He was a skeptic. Um, and he just says, like, he just kind of criticizes, like, what we were saying, how it is such, like, a blending pot of, like, mm-hmm. religions and, like, how they do know what they're saying well, but it changes because they're always throwing in more things. Um, and just saying, like, it's not 
you know, what everyone should be joining and there's like his issues with it, whatever. But it's kind of just, yeah, he it's called the book is called Messengers of Deception. So he just says it's like a deceiving cult, like a deceiving religion on the outside. But now we'll fast forward to the early 90s. The group has begun to establish themselves now in California. From 1994 to 1997, the Los Angeles Weekly, Coast to Coast AM Radio, and BBC Two all discussed and attempted to interview members of the Heaven's Gate. Louis Louis Thoreau, or Louis Thoreau, um, emailed Heaven's Gate in 1997 for his BBC Two show, Louis Thoreau's Weird Weekends. (laughs) Which was his show. Love it. Love that name. In... Their response to him, Heaven's Gate said that they could not participate in Thoreau's show at this time because, quote, at the present time, a project like this would be an interference with what we must focus on. Mm, so so kind this of is vague. a distraction mm-hmm. from what we're doing. Yeah, this distracts from our shady ongoings. In October of 1996, Heaven's Gate rents a large home in Rancho Santa Fe, California, which they nicknamed the Monastery. So we're going commune style We're going commune now. That same month, the group also purchased alien abduction insurance. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Which I looked up and you can still purchase today if you would in fact want it. Now, I'm going to take a quick pause. Here's my question about alien abduction insurance. Yes. So you know how with, like, car insurance, you have to, like, show them a picture if you, like, get in a car accident yeah. or, like, something happens? You'd have a hard time making a claim, do you have to, wouldn't you? Do you have you? to present evidence for a claim for alien abduction insurance? And also, what does that evidence have to look like? <laughs> I feel like I read about this some... Not necessarily the insurance, but there was some kind of, like... Something, like, inserted into their body that had to be, like, surgically removed that they thought had come from, yeah, an alien abduction. So, maybe they had the alien insurance. I don't know, but... And I feel like a lot of other (laughs) encounters I've heard about is it's, like, a very hazy Mm -hmm. memory. It's a very hazy memory. People don't remember, like, being abducted. They just remember, like, the lights. I was on a table, and then there was, like, these... I don't know if it was a dream or whatever. Okay, but write this. You have your notepad in front yes. of you. Write down. We're going to look up at the end of this episode, alien abduction insurance, and yes, we're going to get the full scoop on this. Yes. Because I need to know. I need to know who sells it. Where can I where find can it? I, can I get some now? Okay, so these purchases of the rental and the insurance um, were very abrupt and also kind of odd because um, in... The previous year, in 1995, um, the group had purchased land in Monzano, New Mexico, where they had been building a large compound made of tires and concrete, but they just left Mm. it abruptly in April of 1996 for almost no reason. Suspicious. Very suspicious. Um, All of this leads up to March 19th and 20th, 1997 when Marshall Applewhite begins to tape himself in what he calls Doe's Final Exit. Uh-oh. In these tapes, Applewhite says that mass suicide is the only way to evacuate the Earth. For some time, Heaven's Gate believed that their salvation would come from the passing of comet Hale-Bopp. Applewhite detailed that a spaceship was following the comet, the comet and that comet and that the comet's passing would represent the closing of heaven's gate. Hmm. So. So he's saying anyone who wants to get in has, has got to, to has got to join. Got to go. Okay. Yeah. And you can actually watch Doe's final exit. It's on the internet. It is one of the most terrifying things I have ever watched. Oh my god! Because it's not like scary of like there's jump scares or anything. Right. It's literally Just like like unsettling. It's unsettling, but he is. You see in his eyes, he one hundred percent believes everything he is saying, and that's what makes it so terrifying. Is you just you just watch and you're like, how could someone believe this? How right. could someone? And how does someone come up with it? Like. It was just like to the point where they feel that they have to take their lives. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's to, and 
he it's there's it's so unsettling and to anyone listening if you're up for something very creepy pause this right now if you're listening on spotify or wait till this um stream is over and go watch these tapes. And it's Doe's... Doe's Final Exit. So D-O, Doe's Final Exit. Me earlier, oh, have you ever seen him talk? And you're like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, um, actually. Actually, about that. Um, and I wasn't ever able to find, like, full videos, but it was a lot of clips. And it so was just... does the Final Exit include, like, his actual death? No. As part of it? It's, okay. it's just a pre-recorded thing to say, like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. So, Applewhite is then able to convince all 38 members of Heaven's Gate to participate in ritual suicide, as this would be the only way they could all board the spaceship. According to his claims, after their death, a UFO would take all of their souls to a, quote, level of existence above human. Um, so and that then I also, would be the heaven they refer to in, mm, like, heaven. Heaven, gate. yeah. I also want to say um, Nettles is already dead at this point. She died of cancer in the 80s. Mm. So she kind of gets to escape this yeah. craziness, <laughs> which, like, could also kind of bad. It, yeah, but I just wanted to say, because I was a little confused on that, Does too. That I had to go back. Does that get you and, into the gate, or do you have I don't think to so. die by I don't, suicide I don't think she made it. Or maybe she okay. did. Okay. I don't remember. Like I said, I didn't do too much research on her. She didn't get to be a part of all the fun stuff at this I ending. Guess not. Yeah. She didn't get to be part of the party. <laughs> so, in preparation for their deaths, each member of the Heaven's Gate had to film a farewell message. Which you can also find some of those on online. Oh my gosh. Then the members mixed phenobarbital, a medication used to treat epilepsy, with applesauce or pudding, and then washed it down with vodka. Once mm. they ate their mix, the members would then put a plastic bag over their head. What? And oh my gosh. die of asphyxiation. If you're just going to die of asphyxiation, why take... That's what I was... But I think the phenobarbital puts you asleep. Oh, So okay. you won't struggle when you die of the asphyxiation. Hmm. But vodka? Do I really got to wash that down with vodka? Do you got to wash it down with... Maybe that just, like, kind of... Yeah, I'm sure, like, phenol... In a deadly like, alcohol way. Alcohol and, yeah. like, drugs. I'm sure you're just... not supposed to mix those, typically. No. So... Once a member died, a living member would then remove the bag from their head, lay the body um, on their bed, and cover their face and torso with a purple cloth for, quote, privacy. So were they, like, going... It wasn't all at once because members were then tending to... It wasn't... To. Yeah, it wasn't they all did it at once, but it was, like, your body had to be laid in a certain way and done, like, you had to do this to it, and so people had to stay alive to, like... Yeah. So it wasn't all at once, but it, it happened over three days, actually. Okay. So all 38 members and Applewhite were dressed identically wearing black t-shirts and sweatpants, black and white Nike Decades shoes, an armband that said Heaven's Gate Away Team, which was a reference to Star Trek. They had they had PR. They had a PR job. They had PR. And they all carried $5.75, as that was what Mark Twain once wrote as the cost to ride the tail of a comet to heaven. I keep saying, like, comment. It's comet. I'm like so not yeah, they really it. pulled their beliefs from all Everything. kinds of different sources. Everything. You got some Mark Twain, some Star Bible, Trek. Star Trek, Star Trek, exactly. So the Nikes everyone were wearing were actually interesting. So Harry Robinson, who was a surviving member, who I just like did not participate in the mass okay. suicide, basically said that the group just happened to get a good deal on all of the Nike decades. But that wasn't the only reason they were wearing them. Marshall Applewhite was also a fan of Nikes and liked their slogan, Just Do It. The Just Do It slogan also became a chant within the Heaven's Gate, though the members oh would have to pronounce do as do, do in oh reference to Applewhite's nickname. 
That's so funny. So it was just do it. And they like would have to chant it. Like Apple White would chant it and then they would have to like say it back to him. That's crazy because another thing, the uh, Nike Northwest Headquarters campus is outside Portland and Beaverton. Really? So Nike's like a huge thing in Portland. So that's so funny. Wow. Did you know that Nike's just do it slogan? Um, the way that the like PR team got it is it was the last words of a man before he was put to death on death row. He was about to be like electrocuted in the electric chair and just before they like they were like putting it off or something and he basically just said just do it as like his final words. I always thought of it as like a little motivate motivational. Well, that's what know. it became. Yeah, but... that's crazy. That's how it started. Mhm. I the way um the way I know about that is um my favorite true crime podcast is my favorite murder and they actually covered that of like nike's slogan so i don't remember specifically what episode but if you want to hear more about the background of that story go listen to my favorite that's crazy yeah and the the way that they also that the heaven's gate cult adopted that adopted that yeah you know they tweaked it to make it their own they did they got they got creative with it um so 39 people, including 21 women and 18 men, died in the mass suicide over three days. Marshall Applewhite was the third to last person to die, with the final two members being the only ones with bags over their heads after they died. Hmm. So they like had to, they were like the last ones had to so be there's like, no one to, hey, yeah. sorry, there's no one to do. Which I also thought about, and I guess I don't want to justify this, but why didn't one of them just die before the other one and then just one of them could have had the bag on their head? That's or was it true. like right after Apple White died of like, dude, I want I don't want to be the only one with the bag on my head. Yeah, I'm maybe look dumb. to just keep it fair that yeah. way. Like, dude, if Some I'm gonna have a bag on my head, you have to you have, a bag have one on too. too. Exactly. So that I mean, like, the, I wonder that did they have to like draw straws for that? Like, who was gonna be the the one with the bag on their head? Like, okay, who's gonna be the last two? Dang! Oh my gosh! So. Before the deaths, the final deaths, several packages were sent out by members of the Heaven's Gate, um, one of which was sent to a man named Rio D'Angelo. D'Angelo was at one time involved with the Heaven's Gate before cutting contact with them. All of the packages that were sent out, some of which also went to, like, Louise Thoreau, who, like, interviewed them originally and just, like, went to, like, ex, like, members and everything. They were all identical, and they all contained identical contents. Two VHS tapes, one of which was Doe's final exit, mm-hmm. and the other one was the farewell messages. And then a letter stating that the group had, quote, exited our vehicles just as we entered them, and basically, like, wrote out the entire, like, mass suicide of, like, what they were going to do. So after looking over these contents and showing them to his boss, D'Angelo and his boss drive to Rancho Santa Fe to the monastery to verify what the letter had said. And they were all just dead there? Upon arriving, D'Angelo was able to get into the house through the back door and used a video camera to record what he found, which unfortunately you can also find clips of online. (gasps) How soon after... um the actual suicides did he show up i think it was oh i bet it smelled so bad yeah it did um on march 26th at 3 15 p.m the san diego county sheriff's department receives an anonymous tip through 911, which was later revealed to be d'angelo mm-hmm. regarding the mass suicide when police arrived they found all of the bodies which smelled very badly due to them all decomposing within underneath the hot California yeah, sun. Yeah, I was going to say, if they're in California, that speeds And up. after they were all taken, all 39 bodies were cremated. And, yeah. So, let's talk about the aftermath okay. now. Um, but, yeah, this was literally, like, terrible. Like, um, and going back to, like, seeing those clips online, like... He's never going to be okay after He's never going to be okay. The trauma is never ending. And unfortunately, I watched those videos much too young 
Like, I don't, I did not watch them recently. Like, I watched them at maybe, like, 10 years old because no. I had <laughs> my poor parents listening to this right now. But I had such, <laughs> like, unlimited access to the internet <laughs> that I was just, like, <gasps> videos of creepy things. But, yeah. So, you don't see, like, like I said, all the bodies are covered with, like, purple tarps. Right. So, in the video, you don't see, like, faces. faces. You don't. You see the bodies, but you don't see the people. So, like, I think that's why in my head it never was, like, scary to me when I watched mm-hmm. that video. But, like... You're like, they're just sleeping. But, like, th- when I was writing this, I was like, number one, I never should have watched that at 10 years old. But number two, that should not be on the internet. Right. That's kind of surprising that that's like I watched community that guidelines. YouTube. I mean, I guess it was, like, eight years ago right. when I watched it. Like, community guidelines have definitely <laughs> have changed. Have probably been updated. The internet has definitely changed since eight years. But it was just, like, oh, my God. And are they – I can't believe you've actually seen it. Oh, my gosh. Are they just, like, all lined up or how – So, yeah, all of the beds um, – I think I remember some of them being, like, bunk beds. But they're all, like – In their beds? In, like, line, like, basically just laying – Arms at their side, face up with the purple sheet on their head, and you're just like, there they are. Oh my gosh. It's, it's creepy. I remember when I watched the video too. That was in my like big ghosty paranormal phase. And okay, I remember yes. thinking that the video was not real. And then at one point, like one of them was just gonna like sit up. Cause and I thought like, it was like a, a little jump scare. I was like, this is gonna be a jump scare. <laughs> I'm video. waiting for the jump scare. And there was never the jump scare, of course, but it was just like, I, I, oh my God. It, I like, I think it's all hitting me right now that I'm like, oh, my God, I watched that video when I was 10 years old. <laughs> that I can imagine because things like I remember when I was little, I, they would like just stay in my brain stay and I would just brain. like oh think about gosh. it. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, now I can't stop thinking about it and I can't yeah, go to sleep. It was, it was bad. So, yeah, um, don't watch the like video of the bodies. But if you are really, really interested, go watch Doe's final exit. It doesn't show any death or anything. It's just very creepy. So let's talk about the aftermath yes, now. Yes. So the Heaven's Gate mass suicide was widely publicized by the media. Alan Hale, who was the co-discoverer of the comet Hale-Bopp, which was the one they believed had the spaceship, uh-huh. received a ton of attention after discovering that his comet had something to do with the mass suicide. Poor guy. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. He was actually, like, really interested. He became super interested in the cult after this. He became, like, fascinated with this. And here's what's even weirder and, like, interesting is even before this had happened, even before he knew who the Heaven's Gate were, Hale had already hypothesized that his comet would cause suicides. Basically saying, quote, We are probably going to have some suicides as a result of this comet comment i keep saying comment (laughs) the sad part is that i was really not surprised what comets are lovely are lonely objects are lovely objects but they don't have apocalyptic significance we must use our minds our reason so he basically was like it was the same thing of like when people hear like meteors are like coming close to earth they Mm -hmm. think the apocalypse is happening so people will kill themselves if they think a comet a comet comet i'm trying to like enunciate that comet (laughs) is coming towards earth because they assume it's like a meteor that if it hits earth or comes too close that's the end of days so they'll just kill themselves because they don't want to have to suffer with like a meteor just hitting earth yeah why get hit with a meteor when you can just use a bag yeah so and some applesauce and some applesauce so i think that was interesting that like he already that hypothesized is what an interesting that. correlation weird yeah very so weird. and then unfortunately the mass suicide inspires several other suicides um three of which were former members of the heaven's gate cult One of them, though, was a 58-year-old man who killed himself in a similar fashion to the Heaven's Gate members, who left a note saying that he would join the Heaven's Gate members on on the spaceship, though he never had any connection with the Heaven's Gate cult and never even met them. Interesting. He just, like, heard the story and was like, I'm gonna do that, too. A copycat, if you will. A copycat. The other members um, that, like, killed themselves the three two of them did it in the same way as the other ones did and then one of them just like 
could not take that he was um that he had used to be a part of this so he took his life with a gunshot wound so unfortunately. does this mean they would have like the media would have published at the time like oh here's what they used to kill themselves here's the recipe um it, not necessarily that i mean yes and no so it was like it the same way like the applesauce and stuff or just the well you can also once the police release like autopsy reports mm-hmm. then like autopsy reports will say that it was like phenobarbital found with like applesauce or found with pudding and there were surviving like members that were there like days leading up to the mass suicide that just didn't participate in it so they knew what was gonna happen so they were also able to like recount to the media um but yeah so it wasn't just like hey we're like the new york times and this is how you make the mix of what killed the heaven's gate members no it was like you know you can just kind of find it. Information just kind of Information just kind of gets out. Following Heaven's Gate's demise, Nike discontinues their (gasps) decade shoes. However, this case has made the resale value of decades skyrocket. Are there still some out there? I looked it up on eBay. People are selling them for like $1,500. Oh my gosh. Ew. Ah! I would feel so creeped out by those shoes. I would be too. And they're not cute. Oh. They're really not. Well, they got a good deal on them. So maybe they're like, oh, these aren't selling very well. (laughs) Let's put them on clearance. So, of course, many documentaries and docuseries have covered Heaven's Gate. But some more contemporary forms of media have even spoofed it. SNL, for example, released a sketch literally almost immediately following the mass suicide depicting the cult members making it to space (laughs) which i did watch this uh, skit and it made me die laughing i was like this is in such poor taste but this is so okay i'm gonna have to i love snl so i'm gonna have to watch it and then right after that skit they play a spoof commercial for keds which says quote they were for level-headed christians (laughs) Oh my god. Like making fun of that Nike yes. shoes were <laughs> Oh no. Um Family Guy also spoofs the cult in a nineteen ninety-nine episode entitled Chitty Chitty Deathbang. Oh dear. Which I didn't watch that, but I was just It always reminds me of um have you seen Shits Creek? Yes. And how there's like they're on that fitness class yeah, that's fitness. actually a cult the and they're cult. like wait and they're trying to get to like the gate or something yeah, and <laughs> yeah. oh i didn't think of that but yeah you're right that, um but that is the story of the heaven's gate cult i had not even heard of that before, really so i well now totally we have to look up our story. alien abduction insurance yes absolutely um, but do you have anything final that you'd like to say about the heaven's gate my thing is always um Obviously, like, a lot of these people were probably very mentally ill, Mm -hmm. and I say this a lot whenever I talk about mental illness on the podcast, but if you are someone that has, you know, any mental struggles, please reach out. There are support systems out there. Call someone, you know, go online. Do not join. Do do not join a cult. Do not join a cult. Like, I mean, sometimes I understand for people who have mental illnesses, it's hard to make these judgments, Mm -hmm. but please, like... If you're listening to this and you are someone who... Or if you see a friend joining Or if you see a friend. Or if you are just someone that, like, this sort of situation seems enticing to you, Mm -hmm. maybe, like, kind of do some self-reflection and just, you know, please, like... I mean, we have this little sign here in KTCU. um, April is Donate Life Month. Um, So... You know, there are so many um, resources out there. And if you want to learn more about um, Donate Life Month, then go to DonateLifeTexas.org. But yeah, just please take this all like this is this podcast is not something that you should go out and like do. If you're listening to Heaven's Gate and you think I want to do that, too, please don't. No, this is um, this is not a recommendation. This is a warning. Exactly. Exactly. Um. But, yeah, do you have anything else that you'd like to I add? just, kind of like we talked about earlier, it's just interesting how this stands apart from some other, like, cults. Yes. Things that are more typical, you know, like we talked about the leader not being necessarily thinking of himself as the supreme being, but they still believed in 
a different, they believed in Jesus, but it was cowboy Jesus. Yeah. And then them being so like, um, usually there's a lot of like justification of like sexual, like yeah. the one leader can always like have all the wives yes. or like. And there's none in this. Exactly. They said, that, like, like no, no sexual, no sexual activity. activity, no drugs. So it's interesting because it's very, some parts are very different than like yes. the typical cult story. Yes. So let's talk about our alien abduction. Yes. So this is a quote from Geico.com. No. They, oh don't, they don't offer oh, okay. it. But this is something. They like released an article about this. <laughs> quote, believe it or not, a London-based firm has sold more than 30,000 alien abduction insurance policies throughout Europe. Of course, you'll need to provide proof of the occurrence to file a claim. If you're a believer, a little green man could save you from the little green men. End quote. So actually, let's find out like more. That is a lot of people. 30,000? All over Europe. Yeah. So in a USA Today article, um, alien abduction insurance, this is a quote, offered by the St. Lawrence Agency in Florida, quote unquote, protects you. (laughs) Protects you in the improbable event that you're kidnapped by an extraterrestrial. Um, The company does make it clear, though, that it's a novelty policy. So most insurance policies out today are like you have it but it's we're it's not, a gag it's a gag it's a bit which do you want to know how much they sell it for how much well this is actually not how much they sell it for but this is how much they're willing to cover they're covered you. 10 million dollars and would this be for like in coverage would you claim that you've been like physically injured or mentally so So, the coverage is offered if you're abducted off of the planet. Okay. Um, you can qualify, though, for double indemnity coverage, um, which is $20 million, if any of the following occur. Oh, my gosh. Let's hear them. <laughs> the alien insists on conjugal visits. <laughs> the encounter results in offspring referred to ah! as the missing link. <laughs> ah! like Bigfoot. Oh, my gosh. The alien refers to you as a nutritional food source or the other white meat. Oh. <laughs> or you can provide proof of your abduction and return with a claim form. I can't. I cannot. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> the proof, like you were saying, the proof would probably be the hardest part. Exactly. They don't leave a lot. They oh. seem to clean up after themselves. <laughs> Um, that's hilarious oh it's it is one dollar per year to get the alien adoption insurance i mean that's a pretty good return rate (laughs) oh no it's one dollar it's payout in terms is one dollar per year for 10 million years um the digital certificate you can get for 24 dollars and 95 why would this be like a good like white elephant gift (laughs) Get somebody I'm think, alien I'm thinking abduction for like insurance. My, my future, like exactly, Santa's exactly. Of like, I'm buying someone alien abduction insurance. That's crazy. Um, but there are, in fact, as I'm looking, people who do sell legitimate alien abduction insurance. Um. <laughs> so. And the aliens they believed in, you said it was like an alien angel crossover, kind mm-hmm. of. So one of them is sold by agency Trusted Choice. And here is how they say you can file a successful claim. Okay. You have to provide specific information about the aliens, including where they're from and what type of spacecraft they used. Provide a detailed description of the abduction incident. So that would be difficult because remember you said like yes, people's a lot memory of times is very it's fuzzy. It's usually a little hazy. Provide the signature of a quote authorized onboard alien. So you have to get its signature. You have to get its signature. Pass hmm. a lie detector test. Provide video footage of the encounter. What? No way. And provide a statement from a third-party witness. This is a big ask. It's a big ask. So I'm sure there's people who have this and are, like, out there hunting to get abducted. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. The other one that comes to mind 
is the SNL skit with Kate McKinnon where they've like there's two people who have been abducted yeah. by yeah. aliens and the <laughs> FBI's like brought them in to yeah. for them to describe yeah. their experience. Oh my oh gosh. My gosh. Yeah. Oh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um here's another quote from Trust Trusted Choice. Quote It's also important to note that certain policies come with a frequent flyer exclusion, meaning that individuals who get abducted more than oh once gosh. aren't covered. No! So you can't get in... You That's so dumb. You it's can't a one get, and done. You can't get the coverage if you're, like, constantly taken. What, how but what if I have the proof? Be? Exactly. What if I have the proof? I don't know what to tell you. Like, what if I just keep getting taken and I get my signature And you're like, time. they're targeting me. This is keeps well, it's happening. Like our, it's like our call sheet for, like, Hello Dolly. Like, yes. what if I get a call sheet for, like, each time I get abducted? Yeah. I have my alien signatures. You've I got have the footage. my video. Exactly. I vlog each time I get on board. I'm, like, taking this. I have my friend sitting out back watching me get abducted. Like, what if I have all this and I can't get more coverage? I think at that point you can make enough money off of that to pay for it yourself. I guess. But I just, like... But I would want the coverage there to know. Like, what if one time they just don't bring me back? That's But I guess then I don't get the coverage. Exactly. That's tough. Um, Or if they hurt you or try to have offspring with you. Unfortunately. (laughs) I know. Like, what? There's so many things. Like, ugh. But that is what alien abduction of insurance is. Wow, well, I learned so many new things tonight. Um, But... Of course, as always, thank you so much for being on the show. Do you have any final questions or comments that oh you would like to gosh, add? Oh, gosh. Let me see. Is this the first alien? I haven't listened to all the episodes. This, this is the first, the first alien, alien episode. One, yeah. Okay. I'm honored. <laughs> I'm so excited. But thank you so much. You have um, now officially joined the club that is Club Crime. And to all my listeners out there, please join us next week for another true crime story when we have another special guest joining us. And this has been Club Crime.